Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you. Thank you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since yesterday. We had a fantastic show, uh, amazing dialogue, uh, great guests, uh, smooth flow, everything you could want in a show. I mean, everything, you know, you know all, these, all these different topics that we establish and address that the mainstream media doesn't even give any attention to. And I love it. I love it. I mean, the, the show gets better and better every single episode. You know, it just, it's, it's amazing. It really is. Um, like I do, like I do every episode, I would like to thank all of my co-hosts, my guests, my audience and sponsors. You are all incredible. Uh, the show is listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss me, past clips, past episodes, only 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, thenextnext.com. Gen, G-E-N-U-S-A.com. And again, the show is listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And I also want to announce, everybody, uh, in about a month, we will be releasing the 24-7 media network that we're very excited uh, to be launching. Uh, very, a lot of notable guests will be doing their own shows, uh, all in our, obviously here in the U.S. and overseas. So, Huge, huge lineups, and uh, my good friend, America's Toughest Sheriff, Joe Arpaio, uh, will be the face of the network, as well as the director of Jihad Watch, my good friend, Robert Spencer. So really, really a lot of exciting times that uh, we're living in, I tell you. Um, you know, it's uh, the show, you know, is, uh, is, quite, is quite the adventure. You know, since I picked up the mic about almost two years ago, it's been a roller coaster ride. You know, every episode, it's like we learn something new, you know, something so insightful. You know, all these different people's perspectives on a platform and different voices and different insights. It's really a beautiful thing. It really is. And uh, I just love the way we all resonate with, with each other. And, and the communication is always on par and perfect. And just like I said earlier, the flow of the show, just how smooth it is, just how, uh, you know, and it's, I love the questions that are asked. I love how we get so detailed, and I love how we get, uh, you know, graphic about certain things, but obviously in a good way. Okay, guys, um, wherever you are in the world, I hope you're having a fantastic day. Uh, it's been quite the day in the news. Uh, obviously, we have the clown show, Democratic debates going on right now. And I'll tell you, I was, I was watching this for a little bit earlier, and there was only so much I could take, only so much I could stand and, and you know, Tolerate. I mean, this was this was just ridiculous. This was this is over the top. You know, their priorities are all backwards. You know, they're taking us into a zone of backwards ideology, anti-American as it gets, pure communism. Even the moderates don't sound on that stage. Don't you know tonight? Especially, like I'm not I'm not impressed with the moderates on that stage tonight. But like I said, you know, I, I think some good moderates, uh, for example, you know, obviously. One of them's running. Tulsi Gabbard's a decent moderate. She's got some good viewpoints. And Joe Manchin, um, but he's obviously not running for president. But I'll tell you, like I said, like I like I said, it's so hard to find a moderate in today's society. That's why I, I always say there's only a select few. And uh, you know, just just with, and even even the people on the stage tonight that are calling themselves moderate, I don't buy it. 
I mean, there, you know, I mean, there's some things that they're going to, you know, separate ways from the, from the hardcore left on, but, you know, it just, it, a lot of it is, is the same. I mean, they, they're just trying to uh, word it differently. They're trying to be more clever. They're trying to be more talented. But I don't, I don't buy it. I mean, if you look at people like Tim Ryan, he's trying to say he's a moderate. He, this guy has dr- drained Ohio into the ground. He hasn't done anything for the moderates. This guy hasn't done a damn thing. This guy's a little, you know, a leftist, if anything. Same with, um, um, there's a couple other ones. I mean, the, the guy from Colorado is trying to act like he's a, he's a moderate. And same with the, the, the guy from Montana. But no, I mean, the guy from Montana, for instance, Governor, I think his name's Bullock. He wants to go after Second Amendment rights. There, there's nothing moderate about that, my friend. And then you're, you're with, you, you're in agreement with them on a lot of the healthcare stuff. I mean, it's no, 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 no. And, and I'm seeing Bernie up there and Beto and all these idiots, Warren. And it's just, it's, it's, it's constant idiocy and one stupid thing after the other. And they're saying how they're going to take down all these Wall Street and big corporations. But how the hell are you going to do that when you're taking money from them? You're just trying to tell the people what they want to hear. And you all know whoever is spewing it, which majority of you on the stage are, that Medicare for all is never going to work. And I doubt, I doubt that ever gets, you know, if that got passed, I would, I, I would, in some ways I'd be surprised, but in some ways I wouldn't. But I would just, if you see what it would do to a lot of these doctors and a lot of these different entities that are, that are, uh, you know, important to, you know, everyday people, I, Jesus, I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if these are just Democrats talking or if they're actually serious about Medicare for All. Because anybody that's ever, you know, looked into Medicare for All and knows what the program is, it's cattle call. It's Southwest Airlines. It's waiting at the DMV. And like I've said many times, we're not all equal. We're not all the same. We're, we, you know, just like I'm not Michael Jordan, you know, we, we make different, you know, people make different, different amounts of money, which is why they pay for nice health coverage and, and better insurance to cover themselves. And they have that right. And like I've said many times, healthcare is not a privilege. I mean, healthcare is not a right. It's a privilege. It's a total privilege. It's not a right. People need to stop acting entitled. I mean, you know, the, the, what I'm watching on the debate stage tonight is it's all handouts, taking other people's money and giving it to people that don't work, people that are lazy, people that, you know, are, are entitled. I mean, the, the, madness, the madness doesn't end. And, and we're seeing what the Democratic Party is all about. Free health care to illegal aliens. Uh, illegal aliens, free housing. Give illegal aliens free driver's licenses. You know, abortion up to nine months. Um, take a mess with your Second Amendment. Try to screw with people's health care. Open borders. Raise your taxes. I mean, oh, and, you know, slavery reparations, which is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, you know, and the whole LGBT bullshit with the, the 10 different genders, the, the 50 different genders. No, there's only two genders. I mean, we've got so much craziness going on right now. And where these people's priorities are on the left is disgusting. And like I said, even most of the moderates where their priorities are are disgusting. 
So I, you know what, guys? I mean, we and you know they want to they want to erase. A lot of them want to erase school debt. Get rid of school debt. Trillions of dollars. Well, who's going to pay for it? Oh, I think we know the taxpayers. Nothing's ever free, and too many voters on the left fail to understand that and have this sense of, like I said, entitlement. Think the world owes them something. Just tired of it. Uh, let's introduce the uh, panel, though. I, I, I do. Sorry for the rant, guys. I just got caught off guard. And that debate tonight really ticked me off. Some of the talking points. Uh, let's introduce uh, Doctor, award-winning speaker, professor, veteran, a technology expert, best-selling author, and currently the commissioner of Parks and Recreation for Maricopa County, Dr. Bob Branch. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing fantastic tonight, Rory. Thank you for having me on your show. I was watching the debates myself. Uh, it's an education on groupthink. It is, it is funny how they throw out a topic, then each one of them wants to, you know, outdo each other on how much they're going to give. Well, I'm going to give this in reparations. Well, yes, well, we need to do this as well. And, you know, you, you look at the taxes, you look at free education, you look at debt yeah. forgiveness. Like you right. said, who's paying for any of this? Yeah. You know, and but the, the, the most the most dangerous thing is the, you know, diatribe that they're spewing about President Trump. The lies. I mean, just the lies you hear on their stage of, you know, what Donald Trump is doing. I think Elizabeth Warren even said that he was uh, uh, environmentally racist. It's like, what what is that? How are you environmentally racist? You know, and she listed like six or seven different types of racists that they're trying to pin on Trump now. And to me, we discussed, uh, for instance, as we discussed last night, you know, this Democrat Party, this socialistic party that they're forming – you know, is, is probably the most racist hate group I have seen, you know, with Presley saying we don't need another brown face. We don't need another queer face unless you're willing to be a voice. And to me, that is racist. When, when, when Omar says, hey, the white man is who you should fear, and now you see on the stage tonight they were talking about that. Most of them said, yeah, we have to be worried about the white man. And to me, that is just dangerous. They want to change the United States. They want to fundamentally change it, get rid of our Constitution. You heard what they were saying tonight about gun control. Instead of mourning what happened yesterday and finding out all the information, it's like we have to have gun control. We have to do this. And we have to take your rights away because some lunatic used a gun. To me, this is fundamentally wrong. And I just can't wait till we don't have to talk about it anymore, but I don't think that they will ever come. Yeah, and the, the thing that bothers me the most is obviously them talking about doing all this stuff with other people's money. Like no, cur- no common courtesy, complete ignorance, selfishness, and, I mean, the arrogance is also terrible. And just the way they – I mean, they, they have no shame. These people are the devil. Well, and what you're doing, forming your own network – creating jobs, creating an environment to get word out there, to employ literally, you know, uh, possibly hundreds of people on different radio stations or different right. radio shows, right. uh, they're going to condemn you because you're going to call yourself the owner, you know, and to <laughs> me, that's just absolutely outrageous, you know, instead of thanking you, 
a young man that's, you know, got something on the ball, going out and kicking butt and taking names, they're going to attack you just because you're going to call yourself an owner. And to me, that's outrageous. <laughs> oh, it's true. I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, let's also uh, introduce to the show uh, founder of Republicans United, founder of College Re- Republicans United, and currently the leader of Nationalists United, Kevin Dukeiper. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing awesome. I hope you are too, Rory, and as well as your listeners. And I got to say that uh, those were very excellent descriptions of the Democratic debate. It's already very difficult to understand the kind of senseless gibberish that these candidates are espousing, but it doesn't make it any easier that there's no subtitles every time they speak Spanish. So it's all around uh, a big leftist push uh, and uh, not appealing to the citizens, but of those that want free stuff. Yeah, oh, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it is one of those things. Um, let's also uh, welcome to the show ISIS escapee, radical Islam expert, activist, and best-selling author IQ Al-Razuli. IQ, how are you? Very well, thanks. How are you, sir? Uh, doing well. Well, great to have you here, my friend, and uh, thanks for me. So, well, I haven't watched else? anything. Sorry, go on. Sorry. So go ahead. No, no, I haven't watched any of the debates so far, but I'll tell you what. The Democrats are the true racists, as the gentleman said. The more they and their press stooges call others racist, the more racist they are and the more racism they generate. Actually, the Democrat Party of today should be the, the Democrat National Socialist Workers' Party, like the Nazi Party. They are, by the way doing the best form of projective identification that any human being can think of. Uh, Sigmund right. Freud, in, 19, in 1894, wrote a book called The Neuropsychosis of Defense, whereby the criminal de- projects upon its victim what it intends to do to it. So they call anybody who supports Trump or Trump himself a racist, when there is not an iota of racism in him, it is because they are racist. They, they accuse him, for example, they accused uh, Joe Biden of associating with extremist uh, anti-blacks. Anti, uh, but they don't tell you that all these people who Joe Biden associated with all Democrats, all of yeah. them were Democrats. It was the Republicans who saved the black people. It was always the Republicans who saved the black people. It was always the Democrats who wanted to enslave them. Correct me if I'm wrong. What do you think? No, you're absolutely right. No, you're absolutely right. Very well said. And uh, everybody, I want to play. I want to play this clip. And, and Tucker Carlson perfectly sums up uh, exactly, you know, what you just said. I you and what everybody's been saying, really, of what the Democratic Party has turned into. Uh, let's play the tape. Uh, one five. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight we want to begin this evening with a quiz. Quick, what does the Democratic Party stand for? That used to be an easy question to answer. For 100 years, the answer was higher wages and better benefits. That was back when the Democratic Party was run by people who worked for a living. They cared about how much voters got paid at the end of the week. 
but that's not a subject that interests the decadent rich very much. The private equity billionaires who fund today's Democratic Party could care less about other people's wages. What they care about most, other than making themselves even richer, is feeling virtuous, feeling like deeply good people, much better than you are. And that's why they're so committed to something called diversity, a concept that nobody is willing to explain, but that nonetheless we must celebrate enthusiastically and perpetually. Listen to Nancy Pelosi explain. Our diversity is our strength. Diversity is our strength. Our diversity is our strength. I always say the diversity is our strength. And I say to the caucus, our diversity is our strength. And the fact is, is that our diversity is our strength. Okay, got it? Diversity is our strength. They've made that part crystal clear. What is still unclear is what exactly diversity is. What is it? Well, for one thing, diversity is the reason that Alison Jaslow was forced to resign her job in disgrace. Until 24 hours ago, Jaslow was the executive director of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. And then yesterday, she quit in tears. She asked her colleagues to forgive her as she packed her things. What did Jaslow do wrong? Well, nothing, actually. She didn't hurt anyone. She didn't say anything awful. She didn't mismanage the office. Nobody claims she did. Jaslow's only sin was having the wrong skin color. On Sunday, two congressional Democrats, Vicente Gonzalez and Philemon Vela, demanded that Jaslow be fired from her job and replaced by a person of a different hue. Not a more competent person. They didn't mention that. That was irrelevant. Just a different colored person. That's all that mattered to them. So they forced a person out of her job for having the wrong genes. Apparently, none of this set off any alarm bells over at Democratic Party HQ. Apparently, nobody could think of any other time in history where something like this had happened. It didn't seem ominous to them or creepy or racist. It just seemed like diversity, which we must celebrate because it's our strength. That actually happened. The Democratic Party has gone insane. Now, you may think you already knew that, but even if you think you knew it, it's hard to appreciate just how real it is, just how crazy the party has become. The party of ordinary Americans has become a poisonous identity cult obsessed with questions of racial purity. It's terrifying, but it's entirely real. How real is it? Well, Al Sharpton is now a hero on the left. That kind of sums it up. For 40 years, Sharpton chased one hustle after another, race pimp, FBI informant, corporate shakedown artist, tax cheat. If you'd told Al Sharpton in 1995 that someday he'd be the moral conscience of the Democratic Party, he would have laughed in your face. And yet here we are. And here he is, sermonizing on MSNBC. This is yeah. race baiting at its best. This is Donald Trump playing the race card, and it is a shame, and it is a sham. He's playing a race baiting crowd, but he's playing a race divisive card. He should not continue to try and sell this racist behavior to try and make the country more divided for his own political gain. There you have it. Al Sharpton, the man who once attacked Jews and crackers as parasites, bemoaning our divided nation. Hilarious. But leading Democrats don't appear to get the joke. Just today, poor old Joe Biden tweeted this, quote, The Reverend Al is a champion in the fight for civil rights. Sure, if the fight for civil rights is a euphemism for buying more $10,000 suits, in which case Al Sharpton is a legitimate hero in that fight. The Democratic candidates seem to think he really is. 
Watch them kiss his ring at an event this spring. The head of NAN, who is truly right now the steward of the ongoing movement for civil rights and justice in our country, and that's the Reverend Al Sharp. Being on the forefront in the fight against racism and for social justice. Al, thank you so much for all that you're doing. I know that Reverend Sharpton takes this platform seriously. This is not the place for talk. This is the place for action. People like Reverend Sharpton, who has never stopped fighting for social justice. And Rev, I cannot thank you enough for your years of friendship, your years of leadership. I want to say to Reverend Al Sharpton, Thank you for leading. Thank you for speaking out. Thank you for showing us a way. There you have it. The modern Democratic Party so distorted by race guilt that Al Sharpton seems like a moral leader. This is nuts. It's also a recipe for an electoral wipeout. There's a lot about the Democratic Party's economic platform that ordinary voters might like. But this kind of garbage, it's a deal killer. And not just conservative white voters. No normal person of any color will vote for stuff like this. Whatever his many faults, former Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel does understand that. This week, Emanuel published a memo aimed at the party's presidential candidates. He begged them to return to reality immediately. Here's part of it, quote, Before our party promises health care coverage to undocumented immigrants, a position not even Ted Kennedy took, let's help the more than 30 million Americans who are a single illness away from financial ruin. Before we start worrying about whether the Boston Marathon bomber can vote, let's stop states that are actively trying to curtail voting rights of citizens. And before we promise a guaranteed minimum income to healthy adults who prefer to stay home and play video games, let's increase the minimum wage and the earned income tax credit to the benefit of the millions of people who still work hard and live near poverty. End quote. There were times in the memo that Emmanuel sounded like Donald Trump in 2016. For example, quote, American taxpayers have spent the last 20 years, both in blood and treasure, building roads, schools, and hospitals in Iraq and Afghanistan. All the while, American wages continue to stagnate. People are tired of being treated as chumps. It's time to invest in America again. It goes on like this. Emanuel's memo is full of good advice, and not just good advice for Democrats. The memo isn't right about everything, obviously, but at least it focuses on the right things. Most Americans actually aren't obsessed with race. They don't want to memorize 60 new genders. There aren't 60 new genders. There are two genders, and everyone knows it. They don't think it's their duty to give American citizenship to everyone on the planet, along with health care. Come on. Instead, they have a more basic hope, and it's the hope of people everywhere. They want to feel that the country they were born in is their home. They want leaders who put their interests first, leaders who actually care about their well-being. And yet, weirdly, for decades, Washington has refused to supply leaders like that. That's why Donald Trump won in 2016. It's why he could very easily win again in 2020. Because in the end, Americans will always pick a flawed leader over a leader who openly hates them every single time. Very well said, Tucker Carlson. Always right on point. And he's absolutely right in so many different, so many different aspects. Um, but I do want to, I, I want to point to this, you know, it's disgusting and disgraceful and extremely sad that people have to apologize. That dem- Let me rephrase that. That Democrat politicians are making people feel like they have to apologize for being white. They have to admit 
they're privileged. Yeah, so what, what, so, so you're telling me homeless white people are privileged? You're telling me white people that commit suicide are privileged? You're telling me white people that, you know, have to work for everything they've ever earned are privileged? Give me a break. That's the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard. It's, it's this, I mean, the fact that they can get away with spreading this narrative and having it, I mean, think about it. This narrative up there is about white, white people being bad and white people need to own up to their privilege. I mean, it's, it's a big talking point in the mainstream media right now. They've really advanced this, uh, you know, topic and, and headline into, into even debates, into even some of their most important uh, speeches. And it's, it's, you know, it's just like, it's a dirty epidemic, this discussion. It shouldn't be a discussion. And think about the risk. Like now people, they have, if they're white, they have, they're at risk for losing their job because, quote, unquote, there's not enough diversity. Oh, my God. If that's not racism, I don't know what is. That's total racism. And, and you know, just the double standard with the left. I mean, look at the people that they support and hang out with. And, and they don't get held to a, a high standard or accountable like they should. But I'll give you an example. Louis Farrakhan, George Soros, Al Sharpton. All these people have made derogatory comments about other races and other religions constantly. They've done it multiple times. And what happens? Where's the mainstream media? Totally silent. They cover for these people. They put these people, they, they portray these people as champions. I mean, if that's not a backwards society, then I don't know what the hell is. This is disgusting that these people are, are you know, enabled and celebrated and given a platform even to make millions of dollars a year on with their propaganda BS and the race baiting. I'm so tired of the race baiting. I am so glad Donald Trump called out the scumbag termite Al Sharpton. This guy has been causing problems, Al Sharpton, for so many years. He owes millions in taxes. He's been a, he's only capitalized on black communities and different black events. He's never actually helped anybody in the black community. And, you know, he's caused, like I said, you know, every opportunity he gets, he takes advantage. And he makes some of the most derogatory, com- derogatory comments on earth. Some of the nastiest. That if a Republican did this, they, they wouldn't have a career left. They'd be done right away. But Al Sharpton, you know, with, with his, with his race-baiting persona, you know, it, it still is still out there on MSNBC, you know, just like blah, blah, blah. I mean, everything that comes out of this guy's mouth, you know, is just garbage and pure uh, racism, ignorance, and lies, and lies, you know. And Trump's not scared of anybody. Trump will stand up to anybody. And if you go back and look, Al Sharpton actually used to beg Trump for favors. He used to want Trump at events. He used to, 
you know, uh, apologize to Trump on various occasions when he when he do something wrong that he thought upset Trump. It's amazing how people can turn on you. You know, and you know, I I I don't know much about Al Sharpton, Al Sharpton in his olden days, but I can tell you, I mean, I, I obviously I know his history for you know probably the last like twenty years, but before that, I mean, and that before that is when him and Trump were hanging out, and they were probably hanging out twenty years ago too, but. Um, obviously, if Trump was hanging around him, you know, he must have been an okay guy. But, you know, I, I, we do know Sharpton has had a history of conning people, of of doing terrible things, anti-American things. Um, and he's known, I mean, let's face it, what he's really known for is race baiting. So, and it makes me so angry that all these people that used to raise him up and lift him up, Trump, like these people in the black community now call him racist. You know, people like Al Sharpton, people like Jesse Jackson, people like, um, you know, people in showbiz, too. I mean, we're talking about all these different people. You know, even George Lopez, I know he's Hispanic, but he used to like Trump. All these people used to like Trump that, you know, now say they turned on, which is so crazy. And it proves that the deep state and the Democrats, it goes deep. I mean, these people are so controlled with Hollywood, showbiz, you know, obviously we, they have those few that are controlled and don't aren't Democrats, but I tell you, just the turn, just the the turn of events. And you know, this whole Baltimore thing, I, I just want to clear it up again. There is nothing racist about what happened in Baltimore, about what Trump said about Baltimore. They are a crime-infested area with nothing but problems. And even their own people are coming out and thanking Trump for him telling the truth and calling out Cummings, who's another leader, Democrat leader, who hasn't done anything for the city of Baltimore since being elected in 1996. And the city of Baltimore is one of a million examples of all these liberal cities run by Democrats that haven't been taken care of for so many years and have just been dumped down the drain. It's terrible. And you saw what Trump did yesterday. He went to go meet with the inner cities, pastors, to see how he could help the black community and help these areas. I don't see the Democrats doing this. I don't see their constituents, you know, I, I don't see them working for their constituents. You have Trump, you have Trump solving all these problems. I mean, you, you know, get a grip, Washington. And the Democratic Party, I, at least I hope, you know, for the, for the sake of, of all their voters and and the existence of their establishment that after this 2020, after they lose in 2020, they don't try pulling this communism, socialism crap uh, in 2024. Because all it does, all it does is backfires on them. I mean, this, this has lost them so many voters, so many voters. And just, the, you know, the, the reparations and, and just all this making everything about race. Every single election cycle, every single election, we have the Democrats talking about race, talking about how oppressed the black community is, how oppressed all these people are. Yet, they don't help to fix it, and they refuse to acknowledge that we have the lowest black unemployment ever because of Trump. They said, you know, what do they say? Oh, orange man is bad. He's a racist. No evidence of him being a racist. They have, and then they just throw it out there. 
I, I just, you know what? I'm sick of it. It's disgusting. And, you know, we're all Americans. Once you start putting people in boxes, different races, like, there shouldn't be African-American. There shouldn't be Asian-American. We're all Americans. It like, you know, this whole labeling and special special treatment, it's, it's got to stop. Treat people like human Democrats. Seriously. Um, we got to get to our guest here shortly, and we will. Uh, but first, I'm going to go to you, Dr. Branch. Dr. Branch, go ahead. Well, I'll tell you what, Rory, you, you know, you, you hit a lot of issues on the head tonight. Um, I, I know that uh, you went over it quite extensively. You know that I teach doctoral learners at the, the doctorate level at residencies. This is helping them go through their uh, dissertations. Well, recently, two weeks ago, actually, I was teaching residencies. And in the introduction, there's about 170 students from all over the world uh, at this residency. And one of the deans got up and he looked out at the crowd and he said, wow, what a diverse crowd. And they all applauded. I stood up after the dean did and I, I, I said, well, I understand what the dean said. However, skin color is not going to change society. What's going to change society is what each and every person here has in common, and that's that gray matter between your ears. You're working on dissertations. Each individual one has a question that has never been answered before. Those will change society. I applaud you, not for the, the, the diversity that we see on the outside, but the diversity of thought that you have on the inside. So, and that got a lot of applause. Now, in my own class, when many of these students came to my class, uh, we had a good discussion on that. Because, you know, let's face it, many dissertations hit on the subject of diversity and inclusion, because many of my doctoral students are teachers. And I bring out a saying that I have, and it's posted on my website as well. You cannot have diversity and inclusion if you insist on conformity groupthink, and you exclude individualism and different mindsets by deploying political correctness. And the reality is we try to, and this is what the Democrats do, they try to deploy uh, political correctness. Now, Elizabeth Warren, when I said environmental racism, she said advancing environmental racism, economic racism, and healthcare racism. What What is that? But people are going to hear her and say, oh, I guess that makes sense because that came from Elizabeth Warren and it's against, you know, Orange Man because Orange Man's bad. And yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. One of the biggest questions that I get, uh, you know, especially doing your show on that, is how are you a conservative Christian conservative college professor? How have you not been fired? I haven't been fired because I'm right and I'm the best at what I do. And, you know, I don't say, I say that with all humility, but a lot of hard work has gone behind that statement to make me the best. When people learn from me of all uh, race, sex, colors, and creed, they learn from me, and they understand how to write dissertations, and they understand how to affect society. To me, this whole groupthink mentality, what you've seen tonight and you see from the Democrat Party, has to leave. And that's what I love about President Trump. President Trump 
almost every single day will stand before the press and just give an open speech. Instead of applauding this man of being the most open president we have ever had, they condemn him for a word that they don't like. And to me, that's absolutely not acceptable. You're absolutely right. Always spot on, uh, Dr. Dr. Branch. Thank you. Um, let's go to uh, Kevin. Kevin, go ahead. It's been such beautiful commentary on the show because all these opinions are absolutely correct. And uh, it's a serious point to be made that the Democratic Party has turned into absolute race baiting and a, a, a hatred for the, the in-group that is comprised and made up and, and really built most of America. And it's a, it's a serious dilemma that we're, we're going through because uh, we have Republicans that we simply focus on the values of what it means to be Republican and conservative. Uh, the Democrats have, of course, as Tucker says, distanced themselves from values, and now they care about identity politics and about having a demographic replacement of uh, people and of the values that have made up America. So uh, I would want to go back uh, to talk about uh, the uh, Baltimore issue because this is, this is very serious, of course. And it's not racist to say that it's a crime-infested, rat-infested city. I mean, you look through history and you see that uh, rats carried the bubonic plague. The bubonic plague killed one-third of Europe during the Black Plague period. And it's a serious issue because when the Democrats are bringing in unfettered immigrants from all across the world, they're bringing in the diseases and the crime and uh, possibly plague or, or even worse uh, viruses that could really infect our, our population. It could cause unbelievable, unbelievable damage. So uh, another serious uh a problem here is uh, people like Al Sharpton, who have been an absolute hero to the Democratic Party. Uh, this man, we should call him out for who he truly is. He's, he's a con man. He's made a living off of what he calls civil rights activism. He has a company that's for profit that hasn't been paying taxes. The, the number right now is at $4.5 million in unpaid taxes. And he goes around accepting money from large groups. And he has a very large income, of course, and he's advocating for hardworking Americans to pay taxes. He advocates for a replacement of especially white workers and Jewish workers out of the workforce and to replace them with uh, other, other demographics. So it, it's a serious issue considering that this has been the, the agenda for America, and it, it's even more serious that we have – real hardworking Americans being replaced from their jobs and letting American exceptionalism go down the toilet. And this is really what the Democrats stand for. And uh, I, I think that this is the, one of the primary issues that the Republicans need to realize and need to fight back against. You're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to go to a short commercial here in a second. We do got to introduce our guests, but I do have one or two more people on the panel to get to, and then we will do that. But uh, let's go to Daryl. Daryl, go ahead. Hey, brother. I, I am here and would like to echo what everyone has already said. Al Sharpton, of course, as we all know, is a two-bit jive hustler. And frankly, he, he belongs behind bars. And again, as we've spoken about many times, he lacks the basic ethics of someone becoming of Western civilization. 
he's really got no business on the scene. And anytime he's lurking around, you know that trouble's going on. And I absolutely applaud President Trump for condemning the appalling state of the city of Baltimore. Remember how funny it was. I believe um, O'Malley was running as the mayor of Baltimore, as if that was some sort of an accomplishment. Uh, what what a uh, the audacity of him! I mean, Baltimore is, is an absolute disgrace. It's probably one of the five worst cities in the country. And uh, frankly, yeah. Trump's comments were generous. I definitely agree with what Dr. Branch mentioned as well about the academies and you know uh, applauding for diversity. And and I would actually I would go one step further than that because you know not only is it like color not something that necessarily makes us great, but there's a, there's a hard implication. When you uh, when you celebrate and applaud how diverse you are, the 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 implication is that the the opposite of that is something that that is not to be applauded. That is actually it's a bad thing. So what they're really saying is that uh, you know we we've made a substantial improvement by reducing the percentage of whites on the campus. So that that's really what they're saying. I mean it's it's a it, the the, the the speech itself is an act of violence against whites and working class Americans. So definitely needs to be pushed back on it. And actually we need to start framing that as hate speech because that's really exactly what it is. When you're cheerleading for diversity, uh, that is a clear, clear sign to the white working class people that, you know, they're not welcome. And we have this all across the country. We have this diversity infrastructure. We have these diversity officers that come in and check through your books to make sure that you aren't hiring too many white men. And uh, this stuff is really problematic. And, and beyond that, it's, it's frankly evil. And now we've got the situation that we're in with the, the trends of where the country is going. And uh, I, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with what I've heard from both you and Kevin and Dr. Branch as well. So excited to see who you have on here next. But great, great points so, so far. So many great things established. And, uh, you know, Rob Emanuel, I, I thought he got lost in the Chicago Knights, but actually made some sense with that statement. I was pretty impressed with that. So maybe he's having a, yeah. a come to Christ moment and we can we can see him start turning around because that was actually uh, listening to that. I was a little bit shocked. I'm going, really? He, he, Rob Emanuel said that. So that's kind of impressive because I, I didn't really think that there were uh, too many signs of life ideologically within the Democratic Party. I'm sure that the candidates will all be coming out within the week to condemn those statements as uh, hateful and distancing themselves from it. And, uh, but nevertheless, I find that encouraging coming from, you know, Rahm Emanuel of Chicago of all places. Right. No, absolutely. Uh, let's go to uh, let, let's go. Let's go to Mark in Ohio. Go ahead. Good evening, Rory. <clears throat> nice to be on your show tonight. I have to echo what yeah. Daryl just said. You know, to me, uh, diversity uh, speaks more to exclusion than inclusion. You know, it uh, it, it we should be, it should be more about including everyone, not not excluding someone based on their skin color. You know, which is 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 more based more on racism than than not yeah you know and and as some of your other guests were were talking about about racism what a lot of people fail fail to acknowledge is the democrat party was was built on racism and and 
when it comes to uh, the the Democrats, when they're faced with facts and the truth, that's all they that's all they know is is to throw that out there to shut you up, is is to to speak and and call everyone racist, and they call everything yeah. racist I- anymore, yeah. and and that's that's their standard practice is to throw that term racism as, out, which is really sad because anymore. What does racism mean? They label everything racist, and, and that's sad because they're they're actually delegitimizing that word, and and that's that's bad for for cases where that word really has meaning to some people, and situations right. where that word would really apply. Right. Yeah. Oh no. No, you're ab- you're absolutely right. I mean, they definitely are. Abusing the situation in, in every way possible. There's no doubt about it. Um, exactly. We, we, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, we do got to take a quick commercial. Uh, do you have any other thoughts, Mark? Uh, no, you can go ahead and go to your commercial. All righty. We'll be right back with Richard Hansen, everybody. Stay with us. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, Skyray Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at Skyray Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. New delicious tastes like whiskey flat iron steak and the tastiest sizzling street foods. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. 
When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse harder blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listening to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or any 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next, N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. Also remember, in a month, we will be rele- releasing and launching our brand-new 24-7 media network, and uh, we will be having many notable names doing their own shows. And uh, the main face of the network, like I've said many times, will be my good friend, America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, as well as my good friend, uh, director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. So those two guys will be the main faces of the network, and we got many more big-name people that will be doing uh, shows on there. So, so much to look forward to. I can't wait to share it with all of you. Uh, you know, on that, on that program, so much will get established. Uh, everything you could want in a network, uh, just the best of the best. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show, oh, and by the way, everybody, I, I'm broadcasting in Arizona. And it is a terrible storm right now. We are going through monsoon season. And uh, if anybody knows Arizona, all they think of is sunshine and desert. But right now it looks like a freaking tropical rainforest outside my house. Um, I, do, I would like to welcome to the show a um, powerful attorney, a real estate mogul, actor, and the San Diego mayor candidate for 2020, Richard Hanson. Richard, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, hello, Rory. What a great show you guys have going tonight and these guests that you have. I mean, so many topics uh, to choose from. I mean, we've got this issue in Baltimore uh, with a rat-infested city, and everybody's losing their mind when all the president is doing is speaking the truth. So it's so great to be on your show tonight, and I hope we can uh, – really make a difference uh, in the two, uh, 2020 election coming up and make sure that our president remains president for the following four years. Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. Well, your first time on the show, so I'd love to get your background, you know, how it all started for you, the dif- different chapters you've been through in your life, all that good stuff. Well, basically, I mean, I'll, I'll start from the beginning, but I'll, I'll make it quick. I was born in Santa Monica, California in 1959. So I grew up, uh, you know, going to the beach as a surfer, skater kid. I uh, grew up on the west side of, of Los Angeles. Uh, very uh, diverse city, uh, as we're talking about diversity. But uh, I, I can tell you back then, people got along a lot better than they are now. You know, it, it just seems to be a whole different world. But as uh, growing up in Los Angeles, I had a, a lot of opportunity uh, in Los Angeles. And then as I uh, went through my career, I ended up in the cellular telephone business. So I was in the cell phone business for about 12 years, which was uh, very exciting. I uh, got into that in uh, 1985. 
uh, right when we were bringing uh, cellular telephones uh, uh, to the United States, started in Los Angeles, and after a, a career of about 12 years in cellular, I bought my first house in Marina del Rey and uh, decided, you know what, I drove the real estate agent nuts. Uh, maybe it's time that I graduate from being a, a, a salesperson in the cellular industry to becoming a real estate agent and then a broker, which was uh, fantastic. Uh, being involved in the real estate industry in Los Angeles uh, when we just saw astronomical growth. And then, as we all know, uh, we had that collapse uh, starting in about 2008, uh, the, the crash. Made it through the crash. Uh, and then after that, uh, decided to go back to school and uh, uh, get my paralegal degree. So I ended up uh, going to Miramar College in San Diego through the paralegal program. And right now I'm actually a student in law school. So I don't want to, I don't want to put myself ahead of the, the program yet. I'm not an attorney uh, yet, uh, full disclosure, but uh, that is coming up. And uh, I do enjoy uh, the law. Uh, it's quite interesting, but uh, as as we know, the law is not always what it seems to be, and it depends on who's interpreting it, and that's why it's so important that we have Donald Trump in the White House appointing these judges uh, that want to stick to the Constitution, want to stick to the rule of law, because we've got a whole group of people out there that all of a sudden decided that it's their job to exonerate people. Well, that's not in the Constitution. We are all innocent unless we are proven guilty. And President Donald Trump is not guilty of any collusion. He is not guilty of any obstruction, and the Democrats know that. You know, I don't want to get uh, too far off track here on my uh, intro uh, regarding my background, but that just really gets to me, and that's one of the reasons why uh, I enjoy uh, going to law school. It is learning about the law and what's uh, going on. Also, uh, I am a, a member of the Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA. I, I've been in a few different movies in, in my career. I worked with uh, Angelina Jolie back in 2008 in her movie Changeling. So I've had a lot of experience uh, just working with uh, different people, uh, being involved in the, in the industry, in the entertainment industry, being a real estate broker, uh, paralegal, and now going to law school and just getting a whole different slice of life. And about seven years ago, I moved down to San Diego from uh, Los Angeles, and I was warning everybody in San Diego that if you're not careful, the same thing that's happening in Los Angeles is going to happen in San Diego. And that's what's happening now. San Diego is uh, being overrun with all kinds of crime, homelessness, all kinds of problems, because the city administrators are more interested in being uh, bureaucrats and holding power and uh, being under the thumb of their uh, big-time political liberal uh, contributors instead of looking out for the people, the good people of the city of Santa Monica, uh, San Diego. We don't even have a football team anymore, if you can believe that. I mean, what these people have done uh, to our uh, city, and now we have guys like Beto O'Rourke and a bunch of them that just want to tear down the wall and just bring all of uh, South America into uh, San Diego. It's insane. And going going back, uh, you you bring up the football team situation. Could that have been prevented? 
or was that going to happen anyway? Absolutely, absolutely. It's all about corruption. If you look into what's going on, it's all about uh, big real estate development, uh, corruption. One of the reasons why I'm interested in, in running for mayor is I want to bring football back to San Diego. And it seemed to have become this uh, uh, clash of societies uh, between soccer and football. And it's like, why can't you have soccer and football? I, I don't understand what the problem is, but it just seems like, and it's kind of like what your other guest was talking about when we're talking about diversity. You know, diversity is great until it's, if you're not diverse, then you are the opposite of diverse. Diverse is good. Therefore, you're bad. If you like football, therefore, you're uh, somehow conservative. You like the Jets flying over the stadium. You support America. Therefore, you're bad. We can't even say the word America anymore. God bless America. I mean, the whole thing is, is gone insane. And so this football deal got caught up in this whole political uh, issue between uh, conservatives and liberals, and it, and it's insane that people just want to watch, go play, go watch football, and it brings in revenue into the city and it promotes the city. It's just the whole thing is insane. And as a mayor, I guarantee if I am elected mayor, I will bring football back to San Diego because I will uncover the corruption that was involved in uh, sending our. Beloved Chargers out of town. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean the 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 entire thing is uh, is insane. I, I, you know, I I so so it was it was the politicians' fault, correct? The politicians. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. They're they're fighting over uh, Qualcomm Stadium. Can we build the stadium uh, here? Can we put another stadium there? I mean, the whole thing was all politics you're telling me that that san diego one of the biggest uh entertainment markets in the country uh can't support a football team i mean it's insane it's absolutely insane but it didn't come down to football because people that like football they might like donald trump they might support the military they might support america so we've got to get rid of football and it's all part of that uh toxic uh masculinity, you know, and the whole thing. I mean, it's a whole cultural thing that, that uh, right. well, you see what's going on in football. It's ridiculous. And I think that was right. all part of it. But it hasn't come to, onto the top of the radar because it was more underground. It was more subtle. But uh, believe me, if they could get rid of football in America, they would do it. Believe me, the liberals. Oh, absolutely. And, and no, you're absolutely right. And what do you, you know, before I, I want to ask you a bunch of things, but tell me a little bit about, you know, your your political career and getting getting into this, and you know, your decision on on running for mayor and just like your experience beforehand. Well, basically, I have no uh, uh, political ambitions as far as I've never been in politics. Now, when I was in the the cellular uh, industry, I was involved. I was chairman of the Cellular Agents Trade Association. So we did some lobbying uh, in Sacramento on behalf of our members uh, who were cellular agents that were getting squeezed out of the, the big uh, telcos at the time. And we were very successful. But that was uh, more, you know, industry supporting our people. But I learned a lot because I went up to the state capitol uh, and we lobbied for our members. We weren't paid lobbyists. This was for our own association. And we'd go up there and we'd meet with uh, – committee members and go to hearings and stuff 
and we were able to uh, put on uh, our case at the California Public Utilities Commission, where we felt we were being pushed out of out of the business, out of the industry, as small business people. So I was I've always been a small business person fighting on the behalf of small business people. So that was in another yeah. career back in the uh, early 90s. I got out of the cellular industry, got into real estate, and then we all went through this whole uh, horrific meltdown of the whole real estate uh, market. And I was able to survive. I was able to survive the, the market. And so I moved down to San Diego thinking, hey, things are going to just be nice down here, quiet uh, living in San Diego. And as I was saying earlier, as I started seeing these things happening in San Diego, what was going on with uh, uh, the administration in San Diego as far as the – also, it's not just the city, but it's the county. County Board of Supervisors in, 19, in 2017, uh, they had the um, hepatitis A breakout. I don't know if you're familiar with what happened in San Diego, but San Diego had a, a strain of hepatitis A that broke out because of the homeless population. And the homeless population, what we have now in San Francisco and in L.A. and now in, in Denver and many cities across the country where they've legalized defecating on the sidewalk, legalized sleeping in the street, legalized, you know, all these things that are bringing in all the rats. And I know one of your guests brought up the uh, uh, bubonic plague earlier, and I know Dr. Drew has uh, been on Fox the last few weeks going on about the bubonic plague. I mean, that we're even talking about these kind of things. And so the last couple of years, uh, I've been dealing with uh, the county and the city of uh, San Diego, just realizing that they're just non-responsive to the average person, to what's going on. And at that point, it's like somebody's got to do something. Now, as far as me being a candidate, I'm more of a protest candidate. We'll see what happens. But what what I'm looking at now, I I was a Democrat uh, from the time of Bill Clinton, 1992, until uh, uh, Donald Trump. 16 days before the election of Donald Trump, I I re-registered as no party preference. I dropped my uh, Democrat affiliation, which I'd wanted to do for a long time, because the Democrat Party has just moved so far to the left from the middle class, from the average working American, uh, the union worker, the guy that goes to work every day, the small business guy that's trying to make it happen. They're just totally out of touch uh, with, right. with the average American. I'm like, you know what? Donald Trump is the only hope for this country. Now, I had uh, I was taking a political science class in uh, 2015, and in September of 2015, when uh, right after Donald Trump, you know, made his famous announcement coming down the escalator that he was running for president, we were tasked in, in a political science class to write about the upcoming election, who I thought was going to be president. At the time, there were 17 Republican candidates, as we all know, at that time. And then there was Bernie Sanders and there was Hillary Clinton. I said it would either be Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders because people were sick and tired of the status quo. And I wanted Donald Trump because Donald Trump, for a guy that's a billionaire, he knows how to talk to the average American. He is just like the small business guy out there, you know, putting, building buildings, talking to suppliers, talking to contractors, putting deals together, uh, managing budgets, 
and handling all of that, just like millions and millions of small Americans, small business Americans, and he knows how to talk to the people. So all of a sudden, I'm like, thank God, maybe we're going to get a president of the people instead of the elite, whether it's the elite Democrats like Obama or the elite uh, George Bush, you know, Republican. So it didn't matter. It just didn't matter. And then all of a sudden, Donald Trump comes along, and I remember going out to vote uh, in California, you know, where it's, we, we can vote till 8 o'clock, and it was right before the polls closed, and they started, the, the numbers started shifting, and I'm thinking, could this really happen? Could this really happen? And sure enough, as we know the story, Donald Trump got elected. And part of the reason why he got elected is because of Bernie Sanders, because Bernie Sanders cracked that wall, but he couldn't do the job because of his leftist socialist policies. He was able to get one group and that group went rally for Hillary. And then Donald just came in and just smashed that wall down and came into the victory, into the victory circle as president of the United States. And now we have an opportunity to go forward in this country, but we must reelect Donald Trump. If he is not reelected uh, as the president of the United States, I don't know if there's any hope for this country. Because you hear what these candidates are saying. You see how far they've gone insane. I mean, they, they, they're anti-Semitic. Uh, they're for infanticide. They're for open borders. The new green pipe dream, they're going to take all our money, and then they're going to put us under a socialist regime. The whole thing is insane. And Donald Trump is the first person with the power and the authority and no fear just to be able to come out and speak straight to these liars, all these liberals that just get up there and they pander to the American people, and it's all crap, and everybody knows it's crap, and Donald Trump gets up there, and he just beats the hell out of them. <laughs> you know, everybody laughs, and like, this is fantastic. Yeah. You know, so when I oh, saw yeah. that, I thought, you know what, maybe there's a shot, maybe there's a shot. So, I, you know, I put my uh, hat in the ring, and, and we'll see what happens, but I certainly... Uh, you know, I'm looking for support, uh, especially uh, from listeners uh, to your show and, and other people throughout the country, because we definitely have to make sure Donald Trump gets reelected. Right. And, you know, you're you're the pro you would be a pro Trump candidate. And, you know, that's really helping. You know, we see the strong growth and the the trend and, and strong, uh, you know, with just resonating and connecting with the outsider rather than the insider politician. You know, I mean, we saw, we've seen how well outsiders are doing ever since Trump came into the picture. And it's really painting a huge picture in politics and, and it, times are changing. It's a new era. People don't want. It's a new anymore. era. You, you know what I it's mean? It's a I new era. That. Absolutely. And, and, and here, here's what, you know, what we, what needs to, Obviously, you know, what, what has happened is that a lot of the moderates, most of the moderates, if not, you know, all of them, but pretty much all of them, have gone over to Trump because, you know, the Democratic Party is way too left. You know, they would rather bite their tongue, uh, uh, you know, when they don't agree with Trump, but they, but they agree with Trump most of the times, but those times that they don't agree with Trump, they'd rather bite their tongue than vote for a leftist, radical, communist Democrat. You know what I mean? Well, the, the, I know exactly what you mean. And the, the funny thing about it is 
even the, the leftist Democrats at one point agreed with Trump's policies, whether it's yeah, exactly. immigration exactly. or China yeah. or any of these yeah. other issues. Yeah. So it's, it's not even the policies. It's just they hate Trump. They've all drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, that's all you can say is they've all drank the Kool-Aid, and there's no explaining yeah. to it. You know, when, when Trump first uh, won, I used to love yeah. watching MSNBC because just watch oh, the yeah. hair on fire every night. It was just like the funniest things. And after about six months, I thought, wow, these people are really deranged. I mean, this is no joke now. This is not, ha-ha, you guys lost. Better luck next time. These people have gone off the cliff, unhinged. I mean, they have lost their marbles. They have lost their marbles. And as you you guys were alluding to or or speaking about earlier, you know, regarding, uh, you know, there's racism under every rock. You know, everything, yeah. every, everywhere you look, they're saying, oh, racism, yeah. racism. They're going to say because yeah. you're going to claim that, that Baltimore is is rat infested, that you're racist. Exactly. Well, you know what? I, I looked it up, and the fact is Los Angeles is number two in rat infestation. Oh, and I grew up in L.A. L.A. was never me, like that. Number two after Chicago. Ask, so you got Chicago ask, number one, L.A. number two. Yes. Got, got, a, got a question for you, Richard. Uh, when you were growing up in Los Angeles and just the state of California in general, wasn't it a pretty moderate uh, state, you know, pretty much like a Ronald Reagan? The majority of voters well, I was just going to say, Ronald Reagan was governor, man. <laughs> Ronald Reagan yeah, well, was governor, you know. Yeah. Well, no, that, well, that's what I mean, though. Like, uh, Ronald Reagan Democrats. I mean, would you say that's how the majority of California was? When you were growing up, I mean, it was all about the working class. Absol- all about absolutely, the it was about the, it was about the the middle class, about the American dream, and everybody was included in the middle class. Whether you're right. white, black, or brown, it was the whole group because they weren't uh, making distinctions in race. It was based yep. on class. You're in the middle class. Yep. We're all working together. You know, you're you're in the union. Yep. We want good wages. We want health care. Right. You know, we want low taxes. We we want you know new roads. You know, with all the the good education for the kids. And I'll tell you what, you, yep. you reminded me of something. When I was in grade school, and you know, I'm I was born in '59, so I'm 60 years old. But back in the '60s, California was rated number one in the educational system in the country. So when you were right. going to grade school uh, in California, you were going to the best schools uh, in the country, you know. So it, it, it was – and we learned. You know, I, I, I yeah. think about, you know, you learn history. You learn how to read and write. You know, I mean, you learn, you know. And, right. and we had challenges. You know, there was challenges in L.A. But things got yeah. done. There was order. There was discipline. What, uh, you were expected you- to perform. Yeah, and what what do you see? What do you see facing? What do you think that the the biggest problems are in California today? And even you know, obviously the state and in San Diego. I mean, what what do you see as the biggest? Uh, the, the the state of California. So when we look at uh, San Francisco, is number five, I believe, on the rat infested list. Okay, San Diego is twenty six. So San Diego's got a ways to go, but San Diego is is the last hope in california in my opinion i mean it's it's the last outpost and the problem with san diego is san diego was a republican-run town but it was run by a republican elite you know the same people that were running the country when george bush was president and the reason why donald trump uh, is president is because he pushed the republican elite aside 
for the people. Right. If I was going to join the Republican Party, as I said, I'm registered as uh, no party preference uh, at this point, but I'm thinking about uh, running as a Republican uh, for mayor because I think that right. would give me a lot more clout. But the point is that there is no other Republican that's got the guts to run for mayor in San Diego. I mean, they have just conceded the race before it even started. There's nobody going to stand up because all the Republicans in San Diego are part of the Republican elite, and they've all had their hand caught in the cookie jar. And so now because the, the liberals are so insane, they're so afraid of the liberals. You were talking about the Democrat moderates are afraid about uh, the liberals. What about the Republican moderates that are afraid of the, the liberals? I mean, that, that, yeah. that's insane. I mean, that's absolutely insane. I mean, if you're a Republican, you need to stand as close to Donald Trump as possible. Because if you don't, yeah. you're just going to end up getting, uh, you know, washed away uh, with all the other posers. I mean, that's that's just my opinion on that. And what and what would be the top like if you being elected in as mayor, what would be the top three things that you would fix once you got into office? First thing you would do, top three. You got to deal with the homeless deal, homeless problem. You just have to. You have to deal with the homeless problem because it's what, what's happening in San Diego. And, you know, I, I was, as I said, I was born in Santa Monica and, you know, grew up, you know, doing the surfing thing, skating thing. So California, you know, as everybody knows, you know, has this uh, mystique with all these beautiful beach towns uh, from, you know, whether it's Santa Barbara, you know, down to uh, Huntington Beach, uh, down to uh, Carlsbad or Pacific Beach. So it's always – California has had the beaches as, as these gems, and now what's happened is California is just becoming so overcrowded because of all this free stuff. I mean, what, what's happened – one one of the uh, uh, people the, that, uh, that I was talking to, one of the uh, – uh, my con- constituents, what they had said is that they came up with this phrase, rack them, stack them, and tax them. So what they want to do in the cities is they want to put everybody in these buildings in little racks, stack them up, and then tax everybody. So, you know, it's how everybody was talking about, uh, you know, the Republicans are going to do these FEMA camps, put everybody in FEMA camps, and, you know, the Black Hawk helicopters, and they're going to round everybody up, all that crazy talk, right? Well, it's really the liberals that are going to put everybody in FEMA camps, because now all they do have to do is put a fence around these cities now, and then you got your FEMA camp. Because you have all this disease going on, you have this rat infestation, you have, uh, you know, bubonic plague in California, which is insane. That's insane. And I was talking about the the hepatitis A uh, breakout, 2017. The health officials warned the the administrators. So this is not an issue with the health health uh, community, uh, the professionals. They had warned all the administrators in San Diego. Uh, city and San Diego County about an epidemic that's about to break out. They didn't do anything because you have all these homeless people. They defecate everywhere. There's no place for them to uh, wash up. They don't, you know, a lot of these people don't anyways, because their issues are really drugs. It's not homelessness, you know, or mental health issue. So they're not getting the help that they need. But now all of a sudden the whole population is being infected. So now we have these rats uh, with the fleas, the bubonic plague. I mean, L.A. 
is going to be under a play. There's no doubt about it. Right. You just can't have 60,000 homeless people with the second highest rat population in the nation with fleas and bubonic plague. I mean, we really are coming to the end of Western society with what's happening in America. And it's insane to say that. It's insane to say that. But, I mean, San Francisco is gone. L.A. is, is, is gone. And now San Diego is the last hope. So, in my opinion, uh, you know, that's the last stand in California. After San Diego goes, uh, it's over. You might as well just wait for the big one and just watch California slide off into the ocean. <laughs> so, you say, so homeless, homeless is number one. What's number two? Well, I would say dealing, uh, the homeless definitely should uh, help with the hepatitis A and all these other issues. Uh, but you also have um, what, what's going on is they're now building buildings, apartment buildings in, in San Diego with no parking. So what this is all part of the new green pipe dream. Okay. So that's, that's, that's a big uh, issue that came up in the city council. And I had uh, actually testified at that uh, council meeting that I was against the proposition. The proposition allows builders to come in, build a, a hundred unit apartment building condo with no parking spots, as long as you're within a half mile of a bus station. So what they want to do is they want to push out the working class people that need a car to take their kids to school, to be able to go to their job in place of people with bicycles or people that take buses. So they're really, the whole city uh, has just gone insane. And everybody, a uh, huge margin was against this, but the city council voted for it uh, anyways. And then we also have an issue, I, I know we just brought up uh, uh, we were talking about uh, gun control. Uh, city Council just passed a law in San Diego, uh, actually today, uh, that states that if you have a gun in your house, that if you don't keep it in a safe, uh, that you could be convicted of a crime. And it's like, well, okay, if you've got a gun in your house, how are they going to know you have a gun in your house? How are they going to know? that it's not in your safe, unless you're carrying it on your body. So that means they're saying you can walk around your house in your robe, carrying your gun around on you and you're okay. But if you have it, uh, let's say, you know, in your uh, drawer next to your bed, when you sleep, you're committing a crime unless you have it in the safe or you put a lock on it. And so now when the guy's breaking into your house, you go, well, what's the combo, honey? Well, wait, oh, my God. Oh, you know, I mean, I mean, it's ridiculous. So the city attorney, Mara Elliott, she's a very, very uh, liberal politician who's really doing everything she can to take away gun rights from the people of San Diego. So that's a, another major issue. You know, as, as you know, they or maybe you don't know, they try to shut down the gun show. Uh, at the fairgrounds, which I believe they did pull their license on that. So there's a lot of uh, backlash. So I, I would say dealing with the, the homeless issue, uh, dealing with this new green uh, dream, pipe dream, this new green pipe dream uh, yes. with all these uh, restrictive uh, parking codes so people can't have cars. I mean, so if yeah. they, you know, they want to outlaw cars, they're already saying we want to outlaw cars. Well, if you have no place to park, you know, uh, you know, it's basically we've uh, outlawed cars because we made sure we're not putting any places to park. We've got all kinds of bike lanes. Uh, we got everything for everybody else. Oh, you want to ride the bus? That's great. You know, uh, and there you go. 
So that those would be the top three, I would say. Right. Yeah. And you know what? What? You know, explain about the economy down there. You know, it seems like they're pushing a lot of the middle class out, and we see a lot of the middle class relocating. I mean, is that a big problem in San Diego as well? It's a big problem because it's a big problem with California. You know, uh, we're always talking about how people are, are pushed out of communities. And California, especially along the beaches, you know, we're surfer, skater communities where people love the beach lifestyle. And now those people are, are being pushed out for the rich liberals. So the rich liberals yeah. are all coming in. Uh, they're buying up all the properties, which is fine. I mean, you know, that's, that's the real estate game. I'm in the real estate business. Uh, I'm for, right. you know, uh, appreciation. I'm for all that. But what they're trying to do is they're making it impossible for the average person to live there. So what they yeah. want to do is to solve this problem. They sent up a bunch of tents for the homeless people, which didn't work. But now they're trying to do these apartment buildings with no parking spots, which is saying, hey, you can buy a condo, but you got to know where to park your car. So they're not, they're not the vision for the city is not for the average working class family the average family that's been in san diego for generations for years they're all getting pushed out by the development and what i tell people san diego is like a a a body on the operating table and instead of operating the doctors are just you know taking out the parts and selling them off they're not trying to fix the problem they're selling off san diego that's what's happening san diego is being carved up and sold to the highest bidder and the fact is, right. the Republicans in San Diego, because they've been backed by the elite, they don't have any backbone to stand up to it. So the liberals, they've opened up the door for the liberals just to come in with their whole liberal agenda. And so I'm yes. hoping to at least put a spotlight on it. And it's just really a shame that there's no right. Republican that will stand up and run for mayor. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, you are uh, no uh, party participation but maybe no party preference, but maybe you need to actually register as Republican and, and take the, the mantle. Because I'll tell you this, never in my life would I've ever thought about registering as a Republican, except for the fact that right. Donald Trump is president, because I would be a Donald right. Trump Republican. I would not be one of these elites, Mitt Romney yeah. or that George Bush or that right. whole other group. The reason why Donald Trump won, one of the reasons why, wasn't because, because of the Russians, is because he was, because he was against re- 9-11. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Yeah. It's because he's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's pro-America. Right. Right. Exactly. 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 And he that, doesn't that, have exactly all these special right. interests. He doesn't have all these special interests telling him what to do. Like, we've seen so many politicians in the past that refuse to go down party lines, and they only stay with their party because it only meets their special interests. But Donald Trump doesn't have any people to answer to, so he goes down uh, bipartisan lines, and he'll do whatever's right for the country, you know? I mean, you have to think about, you know, I was thinking about uh, Kanye West, right? Kanye West said, I love this guy right here. That's Kanye West. Now, if you, if, you, if you go back a little bit, when, when it came uh, to George Bush, Kanye West said, I yeah. don't think George Bush cares about black people. So it's not that Kanye right. West is, you know, some, you know, brainwashed uh, black Republican guy. It's because he knows right. Donald Trump. 
You know, he knows Donald right. Trump. He's in the middle of all that crap in Hollywood. And even his exactly. wife, you know, they, they work together to put that whole crime uh, bill thing together. And she's going to right. law school to become an attorney. I'm like, oh, my God, my, my uh, admiration for Kim Kardashian went way up, you know, when, when I saw that. I'm, wow. I'm like, wow. I mean, I always knew Kanye West was right there. And I love his music. And, and I think he's a, just a phenomenal artist. But he's speaking the truth and the backlash right. that that guy gets from his own community. I mean, it's just, they should be ashamed of themselves the way they treat Kanye. They really should. No, no, I hear you. I hear you. And uh, I do want to ask you, we, we, we are on a time frame, but I do want to ask you, and I do want to get some of the panel's thoughts, but I want your thoughts on, you know, obviously the illegal alien epidemic in California is the worst than anywhere in the country, but how badly is it affecting San Diego? Well, I, I think it's affecting San Diego in, in a lot of ways and, and California. You know, you have these sanctuary cities. Now, apparently, San Diego is not a sanctuary city, but now apparently California is a sanctuary state. So you really have a, a house divided. So if we, if, if we look at it on, on, a, on a bigger scale, you have the federal government saying this is the law, and you have the state government uh, saying, no, this is the law. So that, that brings anarchy. So the fact that the, the, the city and, and the state and the country, the federal government doesn't work together, you have these uh, criminals, MS-13, murdering people, hacking up people in Los Angeles. I mean, I know you guys heard, heard about that. Now, I grew up in L.A. You know, I mean, there, there's crime, but now it's gone to a whole nother level. I mean, this is insane. And so when you have a, a government that's not doing anything uh, to protect its citizens, that's the problem. Now, I am for helping people. We want to help people. We want to be able to make sure that, uh, you know, people have food. If they're sick, that they get treated. We want to make sure we, right. we can take care of people. But we can't take care of the world. We just right. can't take care of the world. And, and San Diego is right there on the front lines. And depending on who ends up running San Diego depends on what's going to happen. So if they can flood a bunch of people into San Diego and turn them into liberal Democrat voters for all the freebies, yeah. the whole country's coming to San Diego. The whole, not the whole right. country, the whole world. Excuse me, the whole world's coming to San Diego. So there, there has to be law and order. We can't have two separate sets of laws uh, f for people that are undocumented and for people that are uh, citizens or you know legal residents. Now. I think that Ronald Reagan did the right thing back in, I believe it was 86. Uh, he said, I'm going to give 3 million, uh, I believe they were mostly Mexican nationals. We're going to give them uh, uh, amnesty, and then we're going to do border uh, security. Well, the border security never happened. Okay. So now the Democrats are like, well, you know, give us this and we'll give you border security. Give us this. We'll give you border security. Give us this. And, you know, it used to be when the Republicans would go on and on about the wall. I was never a big wall proponent. You know, I thought, yeah, whatever. But then when I saw how hard the Democrats fought against the wall. See, that, that yeah. you know, like I said, I, I was kind of neutral. It wasn't really on my radar. Yeah, I understand, but, you know, okay, whatever. But when I saw how vehemently against the Democrats were to the wall, and then they started coming out with open borders, then it's like we have no yeah. sovereignty. We're not even a nation anymore. Yeah. And now I see oh, yeah. what they want to do. They want to dilute your citizenship. That's what they right. want to do. And San Diego... 
is the last hope for California, in my opinion. Right. Because there's a lot of rural areas that are Republican, but they just don't have the power uh, to overcome what's happening in the state of California. You know, I hear you. No, I mean, California is a, is a, is a mess. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. Well, I really appreciate your insight and your proposed solutions to all these awful, awful, uh, terrible things going on with uh, San Diego, which is uh, definitely explains much of what's going on around the, the country in urban uh, communities. Uh, so I personally am uh, working as a treasurer for a city council campaign, and uh, one of his main points, uh, Bobby Jones' his name is, uh, is a kind of an issue that's been going around, especially now that uh, we have such a strong uh, economy, strong stock market. Uh, the, the point is, is that everything that goes up must come down, and uh, most of so many of these cities are just spending, 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 and they're not really worrying about having a reserve uh, in their their city bank accounts. And um, is there any proposed solution that you may have to uh, prepare for such a maybe a recession sometime in the future? And uh, how is it like in San Diego as far as uh, your reserves? Well, you know, I, I know the county's got a lot of reserves. Uh, they're sitting on $2 billion. And, and part of the problem that they've had with the county with this hepatitis A is they didn't want to spend the money. So there's, there's, there's and now as far as percentage of budgets, uh, San Diego County has one of the largest um, uh, balances of budgets, you know, as far as surpluses, actually. Uh, of any other, as far as percentage-wise, of any other county, I believe, in, in California. So the county is sitting pretty, but the problem is that the money is not being spent properly. And there's all kinds of problems. You know, they're always trying to, you know, focus on the convention center. They're always, you know, or what they're going to do with the football stadium, who their buddies are going to buy, be able to buy the stadium. You know I mean? It's always on some big project that has really nothing to do with uh, San Diego overall. And, and that, that really is the problem. And if they don't stem the tide of what's happening in San Diego, what I call it is uh, zombie apocalypse escape from San Diego, because that's what's happening because people are starting to realize that, Hey, San Francisco's full up. Los Angeles is full up. Let's just roll down to San Diego. It's just right down the street, and they've got that beautiful sunshine. Uh, you know, we can just sleep on the beach, camp in our cars, you know, uh, what have you. And San Diego is becoming a very liberal city, just like L.A., just like San Diego, uh, just like San Francisco. As a matter of fact, that's where they're taking their marching orders from you know, is, is from San Francisco. So, you know, you know, and in the meantime, the, 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 the parts of the city that need help, uh, the, the parts of the, the community that have been neglected for years and years and years, just like Baltimore, just like, uh, parts of Los Angeles, just like Chicago, just like, uh, Detroit, many of these cities, uh, they're just left behind by the politicians. The politicians are just saying, hey, sign here, vote for me. We're going to give you everything you need. Don't worry about a job. Don't worry about this. Hey, whatever. Just vote for me because we don't want Donald Trump to win. I mean, that's the most insane strategy uh, I've ever heard of. Uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Well, Richard, I want to thank you very much for being a guest tonight. It's very refreshing to hear uh, your point of view. Uh, on this show. It, it truly is, and I wish you success. I'd like to strongly encourage you to 
to register as a Republican. And, and here, here's why I say that. Um, and listeners on the show heard me say many times that I don't view Donald Trump as just a person. I don't view him just as a president. I look at him as a movement. And that's what you've been describing. This is a movement where Republicans and Democrats, moderates, and, you know, can come together and to hear, you know, a, a lifelong Democrat talk about constitutionality is, is extremely refreshing. And to me, that's what Donald Trump stands for. And that's why many of us, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a college professor. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I get flack all the time for my beliefs. And the reality is we are in a time now where, you know, we could look at Donald Trump and the, the whole movement behind it where we could say, listen, we can actually make a difference. Now, you, you, you mentioned times in, your, in your, uh, your dialogue there that, you know, you have people in California that are just opposed to anything Trump. You know, it's not will it hurt us, will, is it good for us? It is let's oppose Trump, and that's the best we can do. And, you, you know, and, and we see the middle income. I, I live in Arizona, so we see the middle income people of California moving into our state every single day. Yep. You know, right, yep, right. county where Phoenix is at, we have the number one growth county in the United States for the last three years. That's because people are fleeing California. Uh, You're absolutely right about that. Politics. Yeah, I wish they would leave their politics at the border, <laughs> but they are fleeing <laughs> California. And these are good, hardworking people that have left California. And now, like you said, you, you know, you got the gentrifications uh, that you've seen up in San Francisco and L.A. Now it's happening, you know, with these apartment buildings and all that. You know, the, and like you said, it's the Green New Deal. It's the elimination of the car. It's the elimination of the worker. And, you know, it, it's extremely alarming, you know, and we need people, you know, to stand up like you. When Ronnie Reagan was a Democrat. He just stood up and now, you know, right. he became a Republican and one of our most conservative figures, you know. And the reality is it's time for people like you to stand up and take a stance. And just say, listen, this is who I am, this is what I am, and we're going to fix this issue. San Diego, we love San Diego. It's, it's always been our It's a our beautiful playground. place. It's, a, it's just a oh. gorgeous, beautiful place. I mean, it's, it is the dream. It. I mean, San Diego is the dream, yes. Well, there was a time where I'd have no problem driving over there and, and even going across the border, heading down to Ensenada and just enjoying Absolutely. it. But now there's no way that I'd make that left-hand turn on I-8. And just head down into to Tijuana and go down to Ensenada. There's so much corruption between the border and San Diego politicians. Right. It's unbelievable. The district attorney, yeah. uh, Bonnie Dumanis, was accused of trying to buy the mayor's office in 2012 because she got $100,000 from a Mexican businessman who is now doing uh, whatever, 25 to life for 32 felonies. You can Google it. I mean, it's all right there. The corruption in San Diego has been phenomenal. Well, I wish you much success in all seriousness. God bless you for what you're well, doing. Well, I really appreciate that, Dr. Branch. You know, I really appreciate the compliments. And, and you're absolutely right. This is a movement. It, it is Donald Trump is leading the charge. I mean, just think about it. He brought the capital of Israel to Jerusalem. 
I mean, yep. where it, where it's supposed to be, That's and the whole amazing. world has lost their mind. I don't know, and you know, I'm just saying this. We, I, I'm uh, right. an American with Jewish we, heritage, but I don't know how you can be Jewish and, and vote for these uh, crazy anti-Semitic it, liberals. I, I just don't get it. It, dri- it drives me nuts too. And uh, I'll tell you this: we do got to go to a commercial, but you're absolutely right. You know, they, they, these left-wing liberals vote for the exact same ideology that killed millions of their people in the Holocaust. It makes no sense to me at all. It, it makes no – and then they're going to tout uh, socialism, and next thing you know, we'll see posters of Stalin. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Right. These people have drank the Kool-Aid. That's all I can say. And you think about it right now, we're oil-dependent for the first time in God knows how many years. We're free from the right. Middle East and the oil. It's it's unbelievable. That's why Iran has no hold on us with these tanker, you know, uh, escapades that they're pulling. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Donald Trump, I mean, is a blessing straight from God. Right. I, I will absolutely say that, and I, I believe that 100%. Yeah, he is, absolutely. We do got to let you go, though, but please tell everybody where they can connect with you. I will absolutely. Uh, you can uh, look for me on LinkedIn, uh, Richard M. Hansen. On uh, LinkedIn, just go to uh, Richard M. Hansen, or you can find me at richardmhansen.com. That's R I C H A R D M as in Mark Hansen, H A N S E N dot com. Or you can email me at Richard M. Hansen <laughs> at AOL.com. So there you go. We got it all. In there. (laughs) Sounds good, Richard. Well, we appreciate having you on, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Well, thank you, and I'd love to be on your show again. Great show, and I'm looking forward to uh, listening to you again. This is fantastic. Thank you, Rory. Thanks, Richard. We'll talk soon. Cheers. Okay, bye-bye. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind the scenes production, everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. 
Uh, please visit our website, getyourappbuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, thenextnexgenusa.com. Also remember, in a month, in about a month, we will be releasing the new 24-7 media network, live media guide uh, that we will be having constantly going. It'll be 24-7, never stops, um, amazing, notable uh, talk show hosts that will have their shows on our network. A lot, a lot of people are going to be doing shows on our network, so a lot to look forward to. And like I said many times, uh, my friend, uh, America's Toughest Sheriff, Joe Arpaio, and my friend, uh, the director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, both of those guys will be the faces of the network. And uh, I, like I said many times, guys, I'm very excited to share it with all of you. Uh, I do want to uh, get into something really important, um, obviously the last topic today. But um, investigating the investigators. You know, we saw, we saw President Trump um, – we saw President Trump make the statement recently that he, it's time to investigate the investigators, the people that put this entire witch hunt together, this Russian hoax, this, this ridiculous um, – just, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's total crap. It's, it's total idiocy. I mean, there's definitely – there was never anything there. Uh, you know, they never had sufficient evidence. The, the FISA abuse. You know the the uh, the um, just their their bias. You know the, the the angry Democrats, people associated with the Hillary Clinton campaign, people that were working with the Obama administration, all these corrupt deep state officials that were involved with this. Yes, it, it absolutely is time to investigate the investigators, and they are. I mean, they they're they're doing stuff. You've got Attorney General Barr and many other people working very hard right now to uh, bring a lot of this to light. And, and, you know, obviously we're learning more and more every day and and stuff keeps coming to the table. So, I mean, there's a lot of revelations, a lot of uh, things that uh, we don't even, you know, we don't even know yet. I mean, we know some stuff, but I mean, it's just starting. We're already seeing um, progress and an amazing uh, work ethic and, and, and dedication by uh, Attorney General Barr and, and his people that work around him. Thank God. I mean, it, Jeff Sessions was such a disaster and, you know, took us backwards. And, you know, the Russia thing could have been prevented if Jeff Sessions would have never recused himself. We would have had Attorney General Barr in there. This would have never happened. It would have never happened. It would have been stopped and it would have been totally. Uh, you know, uh, dealt with. 
way before it escalated to this sort of level. And that note, those are just the facts. Uh, I do want to play this uh, from former acting attorney uh, general um, Matthew Whitaker. He's right on right on point here with with talking about the investigation, and uh, you know he puts a lot of it into perspective. Uh, one three. Former acting attorney general Matthew Whitaker. John Ratcliffe is a man you know well. Yeah, John and I were U.S. attorneys in the Bush administration, and he went on to success electorally, and I went back to the Department of Justice, ultimately becoming uh, the acting attorney general for four months. How do you think he'll do in this new role? You know, I think he's going to, I think he's perfectly qualified to do this role. I think he's a smart, talented uh, individual. He's, you know, sort of cut his teeth uh, at the Department of Justice, so he understands sort of all the pieces and parts of not only the department, but the government now at ODNI. I think he's just perfect uh, for that. He's straight out of central casting for that role. I know that you and for many of your colleagues, one of the biggest goals here is restoring confidence in the Department of Justice. And you think Bill Barr is the guy to do that? Yeah, I always thought since Bill Barr was identified as going to be the person that took over um, from after I took over for Sessions and then he took over for me, as uh, I really think Bill is the perfect person to sort of turn over every rock and restore the confidence of the American people. Uh, and the Congress and, and the courts in the Department of Justice. Now, there's a lot of great people at the Department of Justice, don't get me wrong. I think one of the challenges is we had several um, acts that appeared to be uh, politically motivated. Uh, and I think, I think Attorney General Barr is going to figure this out, and he's going to do uh, look at the genesis of this investigation. He's got John Durham looking at that, who's a U.S. attorney out of Connecticut. He's going to prosecute anybody that needs to be prosecuted. You know, we still have Huber out there looking at some of these things regarding Comey's memos and the like. And so I just think there's a lot of things that Bill Barr is going to be bringing to a conclusion here. And since the Mueller investigation is over now, yep. and, and now we can focus on some of these questions that I think the American people have a right to know as to how these investigations started and whether any of them were politically motivated. So, be, so, so to be clear, John Rockwell, he will not have prosecutorial powers, but if it is found that laws were broken, Bill Barr will... Yeah, Bill Barr is the person. Now, what, what um, Ratcliffe can do at, the, at DNI is he can look at sort of the entire intelligence community uh, and, see, and see if there were uh, systemic failures um, for how these investigations were kicked off and some of the issues with uh, Papadopoulos and others um, and, and how other countries were interacted with. So I think it's going to be very interesting, but with Barr and Ratcliffe both um, working these angles, I yep. think they're the perfect team. And, of course, Democrats have d dismissed this investigation. Imagine that. It's gotten political. But, I mean, the politics around this, and we just came off of the Robert Mueller hearings last week, it sounds to me like you have full faith when, when you mentioned John Durham and, and Michael Horowitz, that these are the guys to restore justice to the Justice Department. I want to ask you about what we just heard from Byron York there and John Ratcliffe sort of dropping that bomb on Sunday, talking to Maria Bartiromo, but talking about Glenn Simpson, Bruce Orr, James Clapper, uh, James Comey. Where do you think he gets? Well, there's a lot of unanswered questions here, and, and, and maybe some of the answers are simple, but we don't know, and I think this is very important. This is where the transparency and the accountability needs to come to bear. If, if somebody did something wrong or something did, somebody did something criminal, then they need to be held to account. That's the American system, and that's the way the Department of Justice works. But at the same time, if, if they're not, if, if everybody was above board, then the facts will tell the truth. I mean, that's an, and that's what we need to rely on. And, of course, on the part of Democrats, Jerry Nadler has been relentless on his calls for investigation, saying that this president is not above the law. And it does not look like Democrats are going to stop 
for their push for investigations. And of course, you're seeing that growing call for impeachment of this president. They're not, but it's over. And really, I was in the room with the president uh, as acting attorney general for several months. And what I saw is someone that was focused on making America great again and making the experience of the American people um, something that is uh, as good as it's ever been. And so, you know, you look at the economy, you look at the unemployment rate, you look at all of the things and, and the advances we're making in the immigration uh, system. I mean, just, this uh, president is accomplishing so much of his agenda. And I just, you know, we need to get this Mueller investigation behind us and move on to the important work of the American people. But at the same time, hold if, there's, if somebody did something wrong, hold them into account. Sounds a bit easier said than done for some members of Congress. Great to have you here. Thank Matt. you. Pleasure. Right. Appreciate it. Make no mistake, everybody, this was political all along. It was a setup. This entire Russia investigation should have never happened. There was nothing ever there. We all know what really was, the, was what happened, is that they were scared of Donald Trump, and they wanted to jeopardize and sabotage his chances in any way possible. It's really sick stuff. And, you know, this whole this, – this situation makes Watergate look like nothing. I mean, it, it's it's that it's that scary. Uh, let's go. Let's start with uh, IQ. IQ, go ahead. Rory, I have been reading the Mueller report over the last few weeks. I have to read them slowly because I haven't got much time. I advise all of you who are listening to go to pages 144, 145, and 146. And the reason is simple. And I'm going to quote you now. I'm reading. As soon as news broke that Trump had been elected president, Russian government officials and prominent Russian businessmen began trying to make inroads into the new administration. They appeared not to have pre-existing contacts and struggled to connect with senior officials around the president-elect. Are you listening? Yes. There was no contact between Trump and the Russians at all. It's in the exactly. Mueller report. Page, yeah, yeah, so exactly, it's not the same thing as when you read it. It's in the Mueller report. I don't need to read any more after this. There was no collusion because the Russians themselves didn't know he's going to win. And yet nobody is mentioning it. Pages 144, 145, and 146 destroys the whole shabang of collusion between uh, Russia and uh, Trump completely. I, I asked you and advise you, you can go on the Internet and check it. I was shocked when I was reading it, and I was thinking, how come nobody is mentioning this? It's there in black on white in the Mueller report. Putin had no idea that Trump is going to win. And they had no contacts with his people. And he wanted many other, because when you read 145 and 146, he advised a lot of his supporters who knew some Americans to make inroads. It destroys the narrative completely. Don't take my word for it. Go and read it. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, and it is one of those things. I mean, you know, and. People don't even read. People don't even read. And that's what pisses me off, too. Like, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, IQ, uh, please 
please tell everybody where they can find you, uh, just in case I don't get back to you, because we are running short on time. It's very simple. Just Google my name, Al-Rasuli, A-L-R-A-S-S-O-L-I, and you'll have everything to know about Islam in a few minutes. Absolutely. Well, thank, thank you so much. Uh, Kevin, let's go to you. I'm just absolutely rejoiced at the fact that we're finally getting to the crux of uh, this entire Mueller report and bringing up an actual discussion, an actual game plan being formed that we're actually going to go after the investigators and uh, maybe bring the subpoenas to them instead of uh, them to us uh, Republicans, us uh, Trump supporters. And so just like how it was for the Democrats that had really put all their faith into uh, Mueller – well, in, in a way, we're now putting uh, most all of our faith in uh, William Barr because it's, it's really up to him, for the most part, to actually prosecute these uh, terrible offenders. And uh, I think ultimately we're going to get some, uh, some beautiful indictments, and uh, hopefully justice will be served uh, very shortly because we know how much the Democrats are able to try to speed up their uh, indictments against um, Trump and, and, and fail, so – um, it, I think uh, it's going to be a beautiful uh, next election coming up because of uh, them going down in the history books for their absolute failure, uh, making Watergate look like absolutely nothing in comparison. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, Kevin, just in case I don't get back to you, tell everybody where they can connect with you. Oh, yes. You can find me on Nationalist United on social media or nationalistunited.com. Thanks again, Rory. Absolutely, man. Uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Yes, uh, you know, it was great hearing IQ back on the panel tonight. It's, it's good hearing his positions. Uh, I always like what he has to say, and, and Kevin and, and, and Daryl as well. Um, you know, this is something we've been talking about for many months, uh, wanting to see the other foot fall. Um Looking at the last hurrah for the Democrats, which was the Mueller testimony last week, it is just evident that there is nothing there, period, end of story. I don't care what Mueller you know, has said. It's just it's, – it's incredible. But now it is time to take the offensive. It is time for Barr uh, to actually you know, come through. And, you know, say what truly happened, because we know for a fact that the people's candidate, Donald Trump, this wasn't the elitist Republican. It wasn't the it was uh, the people's candidate against the elitist Democrat and the people's candidate won. The people finally were in charge of the government for the very first time in decades. And now they are scared, and what has happened, what has transpired is truly alarming, and I I can't wait for the truth now to finally come out because you know that it's going to come out. You know that, you know, there was nothing there there, and they just tried to take down a sitting president, and that is a coup. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, absolutely right. And uh, Dr. Branch, please tell everybody where they can connect with you in case they don't get back to you. Sure. It, yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Bob Branch. You can reach me at drbobbranch.com. That's drbobbranch.com. All righty. And then let's go to Daryl. Daryl, go ahead. Well, you know, just just such an incredible show tonight. So many 
great things established. Uh, just just such a great flow <laughs> to the discussion tonight. And uh, hearing Dr. Branch and Kevin and, of course, IQ. IQ is as savage as ever. Uh, really, really exciting to see what comes next with with Mr. Barr's uh, imminent steps here. And, and yeah, I'm salivating as much as the rest of the panel about seeing seeing what comes next because I think that I think that justice is going to be served and it's going to be a very sweet thing when it is. So uh, God bless you, Rory. God bless your entire audience. And uh, please reach out to me, Daryl Kane at 2024.com. You can actually yeah. check out my debate with Adam Kokesh. You guys should uh, search for that on YouTube, Kane versus Kokesh. That was last night. Great presidential debate. Wishing everyone a lovely evening, and we'll, we'll talk soon. Take care. All righty. God bless. And then I will go to uh, Mark in Ohio. I'll let you have the final word. What, what are your thoughts, my friend, on all this? I think it's going to be a wonderful uh, year coming up here. Uh, A.G. Barr is going to really bust this open. Truth's going to shine bright. I agree. I agree. And, uh, Mark, please tell everybody where they can connect with you. Obviously, your Twitter, right? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at one mad rabbit. Sounds good, my friend. Well, thank you, thank you, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, thank you for having me on. A- absolutely, my friend. It's been a it's been a fantastic show tonight, everybody. I want to thank all my guests, my audience, my sponsors, and co-hosts. Uh, you guys are incredible. Uh, just the greatest guests, the greatest co-hosts, awesome sponsors, and, and such a, such an incredible audience. Um, we have a lot, a lot to get to on Thursday night. Um, the show tonight was great as always, perfect flow, great dialogue, uh, awesome rhythm, everything you could want in the show. So much established. And uh, I have you all to thank for that. I will see you all on Thursday, everybody. And the stuff I didn't get to tonight, I will get to it then. I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Cheers.